All right, here we go. Another another week. Here we are on a Sunday, a chance to gather together to be uh, an expression, a local expression of God's movement here on earth. Last week we had a look um, at the fact that God has a plan for you, and I, in fact, I gave you some homework to go and do that captured that theme for the first week, which was God has a plan for you. And we saw in the message last week that if God can bring good in a ge- geopolitical context of warring, uncertainty, and unmet expectations, and I believe that He can bring good in your life as well. No matter your past experiences, no matter your past decisions, no matter all of the rubbish that has happened to you as being a part of being a human, God has a plan for you. So I said, have a chat to God. And uh, there were two prayers I said uh, that you should, you should have, a, have a go at. If you are unsure if God has a plan for your life, then you should say, God, I don't know if you have a plan for my life, but if there is one, can you please show me? And if you were confident that God has a plan for your life, sometimes we can sort of, in the background, um, forget that we're meant to be walking a path that he has laid before our feet. So I said, you know what? Just have a chat in your daily conversation with him and say, God, I know you have a plan for me. And it's been awesome getting to live that out. Would you please make it real for me? once again. Now, I pray that if you did do that, if you did the homework that was assigned, I pray that God gave you something of value in your week. It might have been through a friend, a circumstance, a small voice, the Bible, or through nature. But I hope that he was in the conversation with you and revealing something of value. So this week, let's continue our story in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at the truth that God has community for you. God has community for you. Christmas can be the most wonderful time of the year. Now, we don't get the American Christmas with the snowing, and, um, which means that whenever you sing, as I realize when I'm singing to my kids all the Christmas carols, they don't really apply to us. Has anyone ever heard Bucko and Champ's Christmas? No? No? Rusty Holden Newt, all that sort of stuff. They have, they have I, I played it again because I forgot how much gold it is, but um, Buchanan, what's his name, the, the kid in Titanic, Colin Buchanan and I don't know who Champs is, but the other guy went together and they just have made this collection of Christmas um, songs that relate to you and me, the average Australian. Now, it's a little bit dated, which means that some of the references I don't get, but I like the fact that it mentions things that are happening within Australia. So it can be the most wonderful time of the year. We have presents at Christmas, which for some of you, if you're honest, you're like, that's what I'm hanging out for. Uh, Time with friends. It's a chance to be able to take time off work and just see your friends in a relaxed social setting. Should be relaxed, not always, but in a relaxed social setting. A chance to spend time with friends. Spend time with loved ones to get to be able to hang out with the people that are most near and dear to you. It's an opportunity to make memories. The first time you get to open Christmas presents with a new friend. Making memories with your parents or with your children or with your grandchildren. Or going out and just being able to enjoy a day where you remember that God is real. That he came to earth as a little baby. Isn't that adorable? And it's a time for reminiscing. Maybe as the Christmas years have gone on, maybe you find yourself thinking about past Christmases more than making new memories. I don't know. But it is an amazing time of the year, Christmas. My favourite Christmas memories operate around three things. One, I loved opening 
Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. My dad was a pastor, and um, I talked to someone last week, I think it was John and Dawn, and they were saying that with their kids, their kids had to wait until the evening to open their Christmas presents. My parents were merciful and loved us. And the day before Christmas, Christmas Eve, we got to open our presents and enjoy that rhythm. And then I got to rock up to church the next day with all my swag. It was awesome. I loved it. And it's great when traditions collide because Marnell, my wife, actually, she grew up as well opening Christmas presents early, which is great. So we weren't going to have any conflict there. Because could you imagine if I'm like, open them early, and Marnell was like, they wait until dinner time or after dinner the next day. That would be a some counseling on them. All right, so opening Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. Love that memory growing up. Having all-day snacks. Just <laughs> snacking all day. There were no meals in my household at Christmas time. There was just a rolling of snacks throughout the day, a bringing out of chocolates and chips and prawn and um, Thousand Island sauce with a little bit of lettuce. It's the only time we ate prawns as a family throughout the entire year, but we did Christmas Eve because that's our day of celebrating Christmas time. And just relaxing with my family, being able to enjoy the time with them. But here's the problem that some of us encounter. Christmas is not always the most wonderful time of the year. For some of us, it is. That's awesome. Or perhaps Christmas has had seasons. Maybe there have been seasons in your life where Christmas has been unhelpful. Maybe it's been unhealthy. Or maybe you've had times in your life you reflect back on the Christmas season and go, those times were horrible. Maybe a happy family dissolves and you lose the old way of doing things. Maybe new families added along the way and new tensions start to rise because as the family grows, sometimes the opinions don't always align. Maybe friends are lost due to time separating, as time does, or through death. Perhaps relationships that we had were separated through distance or life choices. Or maybe there's just this stress that you're the person every year who has to host who has to do everything. And they all rock up to your house, eat your food on your efforts, and then leave you to clean up. I'm sorry if that's your story. Or maybe there's this realisation for some Christmases in your past that if you just locked the door, turned off the lights, and laid in bed, you'd go, that is a win for my Christmas. Away from the shenanigans, away from people in the associated gatherings. Now, this may be your experience, or you may have had mild symptoms of the scenarios mentioned, but the chance of extra stress at Christmas can taint the experience for us as we grow older. Why is this the case? Why is it as time goes on, there's more chance for stress, for discomfort, for unhappiness to creep into our holiday season? Well, I think the underlying loss of joy as years go on can sometimes have to do with people, or mostly has to do with people. I've found over time that as relationships with family and friends have become more complicated as they do, my joy in the holiday season has gone up and down. Remember with me, if you will, to being a child. Wasn't it great? Everyone did everything for you. You woke up, the presents were wrapped, the tree was done, you got to enjoy the Christmas time because you didn't have to input anything. You just received, received, received. And it's better than just like your parents having done something special for you. Your friends of parents maybe did something special for you. Your teachers maybe did something special. When I grew up, our local council put on a parade and put up a giant Christmas tree for us. How great is that? Excellent. Just a chance to be able to enjoy the Christmas time because I just received, received, received. 
Then as I, get, as I got older, I started to see, hmm, there is some effort that goes into making this day special. Suddenly, I had to start contributing, which I thought was very rude. Where is the joy in Christmas if it now costs me time, energy, and effort? The presents were okay, but it just felt like I had to earn them. The Christmas magic seemed to be getting less and less. But then there was a pivot. Now, do you want to go slide four, Lockie? There was a transition that happened from Christmas being enjoyable because of what was done for me to Christmas becoming enjoyable because I got to do things with the people I loved. It was amazing. It was like Christmas was awesome because everyone did everything for me. There was the valley of the shadow of death as I had to contribute. And I'm like, why do I have to do this, mum? Why do I have you know, grumpy teenager, whatever? And then suddenly I started to see the joy again because the cooking, the cleaning, the decorations, buying presents, the packing up, the setting up, all of this became a joy because it actually became part of the experience of doing Christmas in community with other people. However, as time went on, and here comes the tension, old relationships drifted. People hurt me, I hurt people. I got tired and grumpy at times, and it took more effort to do the things than it did before. Christmas at times became a little bit of a chore. A chore. And what was a joy drifted into this minefield because those relationships that made Christmas Christmas got complicated or got hurt along the way. So what about you this morning? As life has gone on, have you found it easier to find the joy in the Christmas season? Maybe. Maybe you found as the years have progressed, getting to Christmas each year is just amping up and up and up and up and it's awesome. Or maybe it just seems like as time goes on, Christmas just becomes another thing that we have to do every year. The shops get full. And not only that, it's not December anymore. No, no, no. I went in the end of November. People are starting to tack on they should buy their Christmas shopping early, which just prolongs how full the shops are, which is frustrating for me who just wants to duck in and duck out. But anyway, it's just a personal, personal problem there. Maybe you had a season in your life where you found that the community you were a part of was a great place for you to love and be loved. Maybe you're in a season right now where you're finding it a little harder to find the joy in people. Maybe you ended a season of relationships or it was ended for you through conflict, death or distance. Or maybe you're entering a new season of relationships, of energy, of possibility. And as you go to this Christmas season, you're looking forward to hanging out with that new friend you made this year. Or maybe you're heading into Christmas going, I have to see them again. Whatever your season of relationship with your community, we have a great story in the book of Luke that encourages us in one truth. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter your experience, God has community for you. If you've got your Bible, you can head over to Luke chapter 2. The slides will be up on the screen as well. But before we get to that, just a little bit about Luke and who he is. So Luke was someone who was charged by a person or a group of people to make a record of the life and activity of Jesus. He was sent to investigate the story that had been changing the lives of people. Luke was one person of many who saw what was happening in his culture and seeing that, hey, something important happened with this guy named Jesus. And he went to go and make an orderly account. This is what it says, in fact, in the opening paragraph of his book to help us understand why he wrote what he did. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who were first eyewitnesses and servants of the word, 
With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I think that's key. As you come to passages in the book of Luke and you start to wonder, how did that come about? Luke was someone who took care to investigate what was being told. So he says, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Luke went around and he made this book, this document for us, so that we can know with certainty that what we've heard about this person, Jesus, is true. Now this is helpful, again, as I said last week, because Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, and we don't have any videos of him, we don't have any books written by Jesus. It's interesting to me, um, Jesus never wrote anything. Normally when people try to make their story live on, they'll want to write something but Jesus just trusted that I'm going to do something so big so grand so amazing I don't have to write it down because people are going to look see a difference see a change see a miracle and they're going to write about me so let's have a look together at what Luke records about the moments after Jesus enters the page of history what can we learn about some shep- from some shepherds to see the truth that God has community for you and for me this is what it says And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. These shepherds are there, chilling, doing what they need to do. An angel rocks up, and they are terrified. I think that is a fair response to the situation that's happening. Now, you might be able to go, you might go, Luke, how can we be sure that an angel appeared to them? Maybe that it was just someone with a really deep voice and who stood on top of a hill with a light shining behind them. How do we know that it was an angel? Well, Luke looked at everything and investigated things seriously. So he would have spoken or had very strong accounts from the people who were the shepherds or family of the shepherds. And again, they were terrified, accurate description. I don't think anyone would be like would be just like, oh, this is fine if an angel appeared to you while you're in your work. Whatever your work you do, whether you're a stay-at-home mum, whether you're at the bank, whether you're a teacher, imagine you're just there doing what you're meant to be doing and then an angel appears. That would be terrifying. The story goes on. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy to the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I love the opening words from the angel. Do not be afraid. Does that ever work? Stop freaking out. Stop being so stressed. Anyway, it worked. They have calmed down. But I just love it. It's like, don't be afraid. I know it's terrifying, but just don't be afraid. Trust me. And they're like, okay, this is cool. All right. Anyway, the angel goes on, and this is interesting because this is the first record of a public telling of the gospel to a group that goes beyond the group. So now we're only in chapter 2 of Luke, so not a lot has happened. But in Luke chapter 1, if you go back and read it, um, the story that unfolds is basically Mary and her family coming together around this truth that something miraculous is about to happen. And here, the angels talking to the shepherds is the first time in the book of Luke that The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is told to this group that is going to go beyond the group. The family already received a lot of conversation in Luke chapter 1. This is the first time where it's going to go on beyond them. And there is a sign to accompany the claim of this good news. 
So not only was the angel like, I'm here telling you this, you should believe me, but he says, also I'll give you a sign, which I appreciate. Because they could have just said, I believe you because you're an angel, but the angel said, the Savior has been born, and there will be a sign because you will go and find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And that would have stood out to them, because a manger is not really where, you know, a manger is where the, the animals eat from. But you'll find this baby wrapped up, not in the part of the house where the guests would have been, but you'll find them in the part where the animals were. And that's the sign to accompany this good news. The story goes on. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, thank goodness the angel came by himself. And then the team rocked up. Could you imagine them sitting there and it's just overwhelming. An angel, this collection of heavenly hosts it would be mind-blowing so the angel rocks up does the courtesy of saying don't be afraid let me give you some context and then the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests now here is something which is really special in the book of Luke we have another first. So in the previous part, we had the first of the gospel being told to a group of which it will go beyond the group. And here we have another special moment in the book of Luke, another first. Which again, Luke chapter 2, there's many firsts, but this one is particularly important because it has to do with you and me today. Before that, let me tell you a story. Over 51 years ago, and I don't know exactly when this was, a group of ladies got together to reach women in the hills with the good news about Jesus Christ, that he is alive, he is active, and he actually changes you from the inside out. Over time, this group grew, and the result of the original call on one lady's life is the gathering we have now, Lesmerdy Baptist Church. Now, I don't know when the first service, I know when the first official service was, I think it's on a plaque somewhere, it's in the gathered body, but I don't know when the first official service was that People gathered in the name of Jesus. Probably when she started the group. I don't know. But here in Luke, all right, so 51 years ago, we can go back and say at some point, LBC, Les Moody Baptist Church, started. Over 2,000 years ago, in the second chapter of Luke, we have the first, the first Christian church service being held. Isn't that awesome? We have a record for us right here. A group of people gathered together because of Jesus. The truth that he is Lord, ruler, and king over everything. And moreover, he's intent to reaching out to our broken world and bringing restoration. In a field with heavenly voices singing, with people who were in awe, the church movement began. How do I know that there was movement? Because of what is said next. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Very smart move. If someone makes a claim to you that the Son of God, the Savior of the world, has been born, before you go and tell anybody else, you might want to fact-check yourself. It would be very wise when you receive news that you go and see if it is from a trustworthy source and that it is actually verifiable. So they go out and go and see this child. They bear witness to what the angels have said. They moved from where they were and they became part of our community that continues to gather to this very day. Here's what it goes on. It says, so they hurried off 
They found Mary and Joseph and they found the baby who was lying in a manger. So here we have it. The angel comes and proclaims to them that there is this new thing that God is doing in the world. A saviour is born and they go and they see the sign that it is true. When they had seen him, when it had been verified, they spread the word concerning what has been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. A group of shepherds one night, just doing their job, were confronted with this inspiring vision and visual of an angel meeting them and proclaiming the good news that God is on the move again. The angel said, go and fact check it. They went and fact checked it. And when they saw what they saw, they knew that, some, that it had happened and that people needed to know about it. The movement of Jesus Christ to see broken lives restored and people led into a growing relationship with Jesus has started. A new community that God has formed with his people begun with angels, a son, and a sign. Mary and Joseph were now part of this community. It's different from their earthly family, but by no means any less important. Because up until this point, they were just family doing a very important role. The Son of God being born through you is probably worth mentioning to people. It's probably a, it's a big event. And now these angels rock up and say, we have seen the Lord. We've tested that it's true. And we actually got to be part of the first church service of gathering together because of Jesus. And then finally, this is what it says. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Isn't that a great story? The beginning of the church, the beginning of the movement of Jesus began in just some backwater place with a group of people who you wouldn't expect. If God was on the move, you would think logically that the people God would talk to the most, the religious people in the temple, that they would be hearing about this. But some shepherds in the field are the first to hear and get to participate in the gathering around the fact that Jesus is real and that he is going to change the world. This was the first community that gathered not because of work affiliation, mutual hobby, friends of friends, or other religious affiliation. They gathered together because of Jesus and geographical convenience. And the church kept meeting for those reasons alone all the way through to now. Because when Jesus changes someone's life, when Jesus steps in and takes your heart and moves it into a new place of being loved by your Heavenly Father, you tell people who are close to you. That's what they did, and that's what's been happening ever since. Now, could you imagine if we recaptured this truth once again? The truth that God has community for you. You may have grown up in a family where community was not something that was prioritized. You may have grown up being excluded or being an outcast from the community that was meant to love you, welcome you, care for you, and cherish you. But here we have the community of Jesus, which welcomes everyone, no matter their background, no matter their pain, no matter their burdens, no matter their past. God has community for you through the church. Peoples whose lives have been changed by Jesus and people who are close to you that have experienced being led into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ.
And here's the outcome as far as I see it. Here's, here's what should be happening. If we get to be part of this community, then you should know that you are never alone and that there are people near you who want to share what God is doing in their lives. Community where you have to bring value, otherwise you're not accepted, that doesn't exist within the church. Because we could never bring something of high enough value to God, so why would we expect that other people bring something of high enough value to us? The community of God is not meant to be a place where you're valued because of what you bring, your economic output, your relational output. The community of God is something which we enter into together because of what God has done in us, not what you have done for the world. So you and I get to partner with God in being community to those around us. So for those of you who have had your lives changed by Jesus, we get the opportunity to be community for those within our church and those within our local community. We get to extend the love that has been extended to us. If Jesus has made an impact in your life and if you've been welcomed into God's family, then we get to participate by going and welcoming others into God's family. And I believe that if that happens, our community is better. Our community is better because a group of people gather that know that God has a plan for our lives, that live differently to reflect the work Jesus has done in them, that know that in their marriages, in their singleness, when we're dealing with loss and grief or death through parenting, grandparenting, finances and more, there is a community of people that have the king of the world alive in them, changing them, loving them. And our community can benefit from people that take the ethic of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the kindness of our Heavenly Father seriously. To the people within the city of Kalamunda, or wherever it is that you're located, people need to see this community for themselves, and God willing, that they will be led into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So last week I said, hey, God has a plan for you. If you want to explore that a little bit more, I'd love for you to pray. This week, I want to say to you very clearly that God has a community for you. No matter your past, no matter your pain, no matter your struggles, there is a place here at LBC, and not just here, in other churches around here. The beauty of the local church is that we have so many expressions. If we all had to look the same, that would be very depressing, wouldn't it? If we had to just be cookie cutters of one another. In the hills, we have other great churches that um, love the community well and support Um, And throughout all of WA and whatever your church experience has been, I pray that you've had good experience of community, though I know that that's not always the case. So last week I said, hey, God has a plan for you. You should pray. This week I'm going to say to you that God has community for you. God has community for you. And I want to challenge you to read or reread the story of Luke 2, 8 to 20 and ask just one question. God, what are you saying about the role of community in my life? What is God saying about the role of community around you? Reread Luke 2, 8 to 20. Maybe it'll be the first time reading the Bible in a while, or perhaps just another thing to read in your daily reading or weekly reading or whatever. But read or reread and just ask God, what are you saying about the role of community? What can I learn from this first gathering of people in the name of Jesus? What can I learn from these shepherds who just humbly stepped out and spread the news that God is real, that Jesus is real? And that he has been born to save our world. Now, if you don't have a Bible, um, come and see me afterwards. I have many paper copies. I can give you one. I'll give you even one without scribbles in it. 
because sometimes I scribble in my Bible. Um, and or maybe you're someone who's app-based, I can get you onto a good Bible reading app. But read or reread Luke 2, 8 to 20 and ask one question. What is God saying about the role of community around you? And may God bless you during this most wonderful time of the year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's just so amazing that we get to be part of your story. 2,000 years later, with everything that has happened in our world, the ups, the downs, just the, just the incredible movement of Jesus that has spread, and also the pain which we've encountered over our time as humanity. Everything just comes together, and we just want to say thank you for sharing community with us. Thank you that we have a place to gather, a place to be, a place to be welcomed. And I pray that here at LBC and at every local church throughout our city that the church will be known as a place which welcomes, loves, and allows the Holy Spirit to do the work that the Holy Spirit does, to change lives, to make the message of Jesus real in them. And I pray so strongly, Lord, that we will be a community that can help people be led into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, that we can be a community where people are welcomed, loved, are cared for and cherished and that we can extend the love that has been given to us in your name and for your glory. Amen.